Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit. And maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. All right. Hey, guys. This is Kristen, and I am here with Claire Gilchrist, who is our new bi-weekly co-host. Yes. <laughs> Bi-weekly is confusing, though. Does bi-weekly mean every other week or... It does. Twice a month. Twice a month. Yes. Anyway, you, <laughs> will, be, you will be with us every other week. Yes. Um, so I wanted to do a quick introduction of Claire. She is a licensed esthetician. And if you are a regular listener, you've probably heard her come on and talk about many, many procedures. The famous vajayshal. Oh, yes. you. Yes. You may know her um, from her vajayshal. I mean, that's how most people know me. <laughs> So, That's the how you're known lady. at school. Yeah, yeah. At, my, at the elementary school, our kids yes. go to. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, the vajayshal lady. Yeah, the vajayshal okay. lady. Um, but in addition to that, she also has a company that does home organization. I do. She will come in and Marie Kondo your house without fact, shame. Without shame, you did it to me. We did in my f- kitchen a few months ago. We. You know, Kristen had probably every plastic container known to man. I had many Tupperwares, and I 
But I think my real area of shame, my real pain point, was my spices. Your spices and your tea addiction. <laughs> oh, the tea. Like, just so your listeners know, like, you have two uh-huh. dedicated tea drawers. Two drawers of tea. Yes. I do. And I have them in drawers so that when people come over and I say, would you like tea? I open them with flourish. Yes. And I, I like, present the teas. But you're not the only one because... This has become a family thing Oh, the now girls too. drink the teas, too. Yeah. Can they, too? Yeah. They all drink tea. Yeah. yeah we're, we're a tea-drinking family. You are. I don't do coffee. Did I tell you the story of the tea with my Japanese foreign exchange students? No. No? No. Okay. So I offered them tea. I had four Japanese foreign exchange students for like a week. And I offered them tea, opened the drawer, not paying a bit of attention, opened the drawer, and I walk away. And I let them choose their tea. I come back to four fully drunk mugs of smooth mood, <laughs> which is a laxative tea. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I then I had that sticky, like, moral dilemma of, like, do I tell them I just drank a laxative tea or do I just let them find that let out? Let them think they have food poisoning. <laughs> and I, you know what? I did not tell them because <gasps> they spoke no English. So they couldn't read what the tea was. And, you know, India could have gone on to Google Translate, but that would have been a really awkward conversation. Well, and I'm thinking, like, do I mime this? <laughs> do I mime you're going to have explosive diarrhea? Do you give them a flat of toilet paper and a thumbs up? I know. Because let me tell you this. This traditional medicinals smooth move tea, which I will link up in the show notes, is no joke. It's I used it when I was pregnant. And, you know, like when you're pregnant, you go through the whole constipation right. period. Yeah. And I wish somebody would have told me how aggressive it was. It's aggressive. I thought I was going into labor. Yeah. it. I mean, it will make you poop yeah. and feel sick. It makes you feel like you have, like, the flu. It's pretty bad. Welcome to America. Anyway, sorry, boys. Um, <laughs> oh. These lovely four Japanese foreign exchange students for giving you diarrhea on your trip to America. <laughs> I just keep thinking the mental picture of them, the, the panic. I know. Must have. Were they in the back house? Yes. Oh, Kristen. I know. I felt so bad. <laughs> I did. I will say in my defense, I have since moved smooth move tea out of the Good. tea drawer. But all of my kids know what it is. Yeah. Because they don't want to go there. Have any of your kids ever had it? No. No. Because they're scared. No. But I will say I have one little hypochondriac kid and I have every medicinal tea possible so that when she says like, my tummy hurts, I'm like, we'll take the tummy tea. Or my throat hurts. There's yeah. a, thro- a throat, breathe throat one. Coat. Yeah. Throat, throat coat. coat. Oh, yeah. I'm like, Those I'm teas not- are actually really good too. You know what's funny? I Throat coat is my favorite tea. I drink really? it. Really? I drink it every night. I, I like for my throat. There's, there's one just, called, is it Breathe Rescue or something like that? I like that, that one too. That, that one I really like. It's, it's like menthol-y. Yes. Yeah. And there's another one <laughs> called Stomach Ease that's also delicious. You know, I have a very, Grace, who's almost 12. Yes. A little of anxiety. Yeah. It always goes to the tummy. Even oh, when yeah. we travel. Totally. That would probably be a good one for her when we, yes. when we travel. I mean, I really don't know what it really does for the tummy. I just like that it's a placebo effect for children. Yes. And it tastes good. Yes. So... Anyway, Absolutely. well, Claire, catch us up on your self-care. How, how, I mean, we're starting from the beginning, so. Well, how, obviously my vajayshal life is going pretty strong. Well, we know that, <laughs> we know that, that that's a strength. Yes. But how is self-care in the rest of your body? Well, um, I'll start off. I'm a mom of five kids. Yes. Um, his, mine, ours, they're. Yes. Multi-family step. Multi-family, multi-racial. Multi-racial, um, multi-parent. Yes. And uh, so self-care is definitely something that I need to focus more on. Yeah. Especially when I get to the end of the week and I'm screaming at my kids. I'm like, mm-hmm. I might need to time out. <laughs> you did text me last week and I say, I put myself in a timeout. I, I texted you and said, I'm so sorry if you heard my warrior <laughs> scream from your house. Well, we should explain. Claire and I are neighbors. Yes. We're like five houses away. Yes. Pretty close. Our children are like siblings. Absolutely. And they fight. They like fight siblings. like siblings. Yes. And uh, they go to school together. We vacation together. Yes. So, yeah, we're very close. Yes. Um, and as far as self-care for me, you, you, you and uh, Sarah have actually been really great um, leaders in that. Because I don't know if I was really aware of self-care mm-hmm. before the podcast and talking to you guys because I think so many of us think that that's us being selfish. Oh, totally. And so it's been a journey for me letting go yeah. of that thought yeah, and that belief and realizing that self-care for me is really going to benefit the entire family. Yes. Speaking of, I just had my very first training session today with a personal trainer. Okay, that's that's a big deal. 
Huge deal. Yeah. Like, I am allergic to working out. I really hate working I out. I will make... You and I worked out once. We did, and I think you were mad at me. I dragged you to a gym, and you were like, this is horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It really was It horrible. was like this dark nightclub with yeah. flashing light, like sensory overload. It was. And it was one of those where they have you on a circuit, so yeah. if you're not running, you're lifting weights. There's no break. You're and just they're yelling like, at you. Yeah, they're yelling at you. And I just... And everyone in there seemingly looks like a personal trainer. Yep. That class was crazy. And hot. Like Yes. Everyone in there was in their 20s and perfectly fit. And then we walked in and we were like, oh boy. And spoiler alert, we never went back. <laughs> we did not. It did not become part of our self-care routine. Well, I went, I will say, I did go for like a week. Did you? I did. Well, I bought a month pass, <laughs> like a dummy. And so I was like, I'm not you. I'm doing this. And I, like, by day six, I was like, I'm dreading this the entire day. Mm-hmm. And it's become such a point of stress. And you create it's not worth it. scenarios to, oh, like, yeah. excuse yourself yeah. from it. Yeah. I, on the way to the gym today, I was thinking, like, <laughs> well, I'm ar- I was going to be late by, like, two minutes. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, that's a horrible way to start out. I probably just shouldn't go. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't want to be one of those late people. Totally. I'm going to miss things. <laughs> it ended up being really great. The girl I'm working with is a, a mom. And all of my fears, you know, yeah. were ridiculous. But so I'm working on my eating, working yeah. on... Just being active in general. I've reached that sweet spot mm-hmm. where I can't just like not eat for three days and lose 10 pounds. Right. <laughs> so I don't eat for three days and I gain 10 pounds. Yeah. Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah. So, oh, I'll do intermittent fasting. Yeah. Wait, nothing. Or changed. I'll do keto. Yeah. Nothing changed. I'll yeah. do, you know, so I'm doing it the old fashioned way. Good. That's good. So that's, that's where how I'm at. we all should do it. Yeah, but it just is hard. It is hard. It's There's just, no... Like, it's 2019. Like, isn't there a hack for this already? <laughs> Come on. So so that's my journey right now. I'm just staying accountable and honest. Like, we did photos today. Oh, wow. Like, took my shirt off. Okay. And we just... The whole midsection and... Mm-hmm. There's just so much shame and feelings about this for me. Oh, yeah. That I'm really trying to just confront it. Yeah. And not be a wuss about it. Yeah. But, you know, we'll check back in a month. We'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, you know, what's hard about, you know, body image is, you know, we all want to accept the body that we're living in. Yes. But in order to accept the body we're living in, we have to look at the body we're living in. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I try I, so I hard to think, not to. <laughs> right. Like, I do think for me, it's like, it's not healthy if I am completely unaware of what my body, you know, what my weight is, what my, if, if I'm just living in denial, that's not for me actually body acceptance. I think that's how I got here. Yeah. I went through about a six month period of just out of sight, out of mind, wearing literally like the baggiest sweatshirts and leggings. And I mean, I ate like, you know, like an angry teenager. Yeah. And I really, I, I was not accountable at all. Right. And those six months, I probably, Kristen, I probably gained like 35 pounds. Yeah. And I'm so used to being able to kind of just Tighten it up. Right. And it fall off. No. Well, and you would be okay if it didn't. That's that's the thing. Right. It's like, you know, none of us have to get down to a bikini body or whatever that is. You know? I still struggle with that idea. That yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's April. I need to get bikini ready. Like, where do I, I think know. I'm going? I do too. Like, well, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> that's where I'm going. I mean, it's funny. Do you remember last summer? We were all, a group of us were going on a vacation together to Palm Springs and all of us started fretting about our bodies. And like, at one point it's like, we're all together. Like every day we're going together. Right. Like, like why can't the five of us sit at a pool and inhabit the bodies we're in and whatever state that's in of, of, you know, paleness or flab. So much paleness. <laughs> and just be okay with it. Like what is wrong with us? And it really makes you realize is, as freaked out as I am about what you're going to think about my body, uh-huh. right? One of my closest friends who care, like who really right. cares. But it goes to show no one's thinking about my body no. because we're all, we're all obsessed so about obsessed our about our own. So true. And I hate that. Like, I feel like at 43, I should be grown out of, and I am a little bit, I will say. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching the summit. I'm not really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like at this, I'm not there quite there yet, but we got to get a handle on this too, because our girls are of the age where this is where it starts with them. It does. And if I am talking <laughs> negatively about my body yeah. and the food choices and yeah. whatever, it's going to translate into her self-talk. Oh, completely. Just like it did with my mom. Yeah. I do not talk about my body or my eating with my children ever, ever. That's so good. Ever. I mean, it is it is a non-topic. 
And in fact, my girls did once say, mom, why does your stomach look that way? <laughs> and I know. And I said, you know what I said? I said, this is just how a lot of mom's stomachs look after Absolutely. you have a baby. This is how many people's stomach look. You know, in this, the age of this, Instagram, like the age of Instagram and the age of Facebook, where all of these people are like, I had a baby and six weeks later, you know, I know. but they have chefs, they have personal trainers, right. they have doctors who are doing a little nip and tuck and yeah. suck or whatever. <laughs> but also that's, that is a priority to them. And just to be honest, like, I, I mean, I want to be, I want to be healthy and I want to exercise for my mental health, but I don't feel a need at this age and stage of my life to have my body look like a personal trainer's body. It, Absolutely. It's just not important to me. And that is the shift that I'm in right now. Yeah. It, like we're going to Austria in June yeah. and I was sitting down with the trainer. I was thinking about my goals and it kind of, this, the question startled me a bit because I didn't really know my goal in the past had always been to lose weight. Right. And that's more than that. We're yeah. going to be hiking in Austria for hours. Right. I want to be able to keep up. Yes. And yeah. feel proud of my strength and my endurance. Totally. And when I said those words today, I was like, listen to me. No. Like, I'm so mature. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's where I'm at with um, that journey. And hopefully I stick with it. Yeah. And, you know, being vulnerable now, telling all of you, maybe you <laughs> all will help to. me stay accountable. <laughs> and if you don't, that's okay. It is. Yeah. Because you can always start over. Yeah, you can. Or you can decide this personal trainer thing is too intense and I'm just going to walk. Exactly. You know, you can I do have a dog that needs yeah. to be walked. Yes, you do. <laughs> and with my job, my job is really physical. Yeah. I'm in people's houses. I'm moving heavy things. Yep. I'm on my feet a lot. And I could feel in the last year, just I was getting winded. And out yeah. Of yeah. And so it's, it hopefully will have a trickle down effect into yeah. every part of my life. Yeah. So that's my self-care journey. That's awesome. Good for you. Thanks. Well, um, I, as you know, finished my book this week. Yes. Um, well, let me, okay. I didn't finish the book. <laughs> I turned in a first draft of the book. And, well, that's. But it does feel like I at least wrote all the things and I know there will be heavy edits because it's You have my, emerged from the darkness. I was in a dark place. Yes. I we mean, didn't you see, know. I didn't see you no for probably two months. No, I know. I just went to a birthday party of one of the kid's friends and the moms were literally, the moms were literally like. We haven't seen you in three months. I think the last like thing we did together mm-hmm. was the cheese party. Cheese. Oh yes, like that's the last group, yes. of, and we are a group of friends that typically would get a get together at least twice a month. We would. I know. No, I'm so ready. I'm like ready to be back in the game. We're like, is she okay? Should we check <laughs> on her? Well, I feel like it's like the day after I I turned in the book, I texted everybody. I'm like, avocado toast party. <laughs> you emerged, <laughs> I know. and then you have like 40 kids at your house. Swimming. Well, that's always. But it was like, yeah, we all kind of left you alone for a little yes. bit. Truthfully, yes. we're all a little scared. Too. Everyone was scared of me. <laughs> I was scared of myself. But what um, a big, like, relief off your shoulders. But you know what's weird is it didn't feel like a relief. I actually had one of the most anxious weeks I've ever had. Because you're not used to not having it over, over hanging over I you. I think it's that. And then I think it was like all of a sudden the like, okay, I turned this in and now this thing is going to go out into the world. And I've said some heavy things things in the book and the book talks about race and it talks about divorce and it talks about, you know, faith and it talks about all the things you've gone through these last few years. Yes, it does. Adoption and ethics. And and there is something to piss off everyone in this book. (laughs) No stone unturned. Pissed off everybody. I will offend. (laughs) If you're conservative, I will offend you. If you are liberal, I will offend. I will offend everyone. This is why we're friends. This is why we're friends. And, you know, it's not like a blog post where you can then, you know, add a comment or explain yourself or delete it. It's Or walk it back. Right. Like, it's all going out into the world. And I think I feel some anxiety about that. But I think you're right. I think it was also just that I was on this, you know, hamster wheel and I got off and I didn't know what to do with myself. It's like, what are you going to do now? Right. I know. Well, of course, I had a million tasks waiting for me. That was another thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot your mom. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, it's like I had put off everything. Like, And so what I had done is I was like, my book was due April 1st. I mean, it's funny because my friend Jen Hatmaker had her book due the day before mine. And (laughs) we both did the same thing, which was we told everybody in our life, everything can happen after April 1st. So the week of April 1st was just a nightmare of like appointments and you overscheduled yourself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Interviews and crazy. But like, crazy. you never you never do that. So No, it was a weird, <laughs> rare thing yes. that I overscheduled myself. <laughs> so strange. Um but anyway, yes, I'm glad to have that 
at least like bulk of it done, and then we wait to hear I mean, about the edits. People are dying to read this book. Well, I'm dying for. There it has to been be a over. lot going on with you the last <laughs> few years, and people are dying to get their hands on this, me included. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is like, like, okay, well, I wrote some really personal stuff. Am I gonna like keep that all in? <laughs> well, you could. Do, oh, it's not going to be published yet, so maybe during the edits. Right. Yeah, I'll have. I'll get second set of eyes on it and just yeah. make sure everything's. Kosher. Well, and even looking at this thing for however long. Right. Like so you need somebody oh, else to probably I look do. at it. I do. Yes. Anyway, all right. Well, what are you bringing up for two thumbs up today? What do you recommend? So uh, I have a twelve-year-old daughter yes. who is just lovely, but obsessed with skincare. I have no idea where she gets it from. Well, maybe my daughter. <laughs> Your daughter is like. Next level. Well, what's funny is my daughter gets it from Sarah James. Yes. Because <laughs> she follows Sarah on Instagram, wants to be Sarah, and like, I mean... Who doesn't want to be Sarah? Like, okay. T- yeah. <laughs> and India has this full, like, masking routine. I mean, she's super into she's it. She's glowing. So, yeah. She's she glowing. She is. Her skin looks great. Grace isn't quite there yet. Yeah. Grace is an athlete yeah. who is just a sweaty mess most mm-hmm. of the time. And she... We've only started with face wash. Nice. And the product I'm going to talk about, which is the, I always spelled his name, or I'm going to say his name, Mario Badescu. Yes. Badescu. Um, rose spray. Oh, I love that The stuff. rose water. It's um, so good. And then we're moisturizing. So we're really kind of just going in slow. Yeah. But this rose spray is fantastic. Yes. I love it. Oh, I love she it. She loves it. Yeah. Sam, my son, who he would die admitting it, he loves it. <laughs> and they have a bunch of different kinds. They do. So there is the rose water, which mm-hmm. is just the plain. And I believe there's an aloe. Cucumber. There's cucumber. And then a lavender one. Yes. And they sell them in a great little set. And I was telling Kristen before, our girls have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And birthday parties can get expensive. You're buying gifts for, you know, three, four kids sometimes in a month. Uh Uh-huh. And they have a set um, of the three. And what I do is I break them up. And I will usually kind of tie that up in a little bag with like a a lip balm or, you know, some other kind of like tween type thing. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm the cool mom, right? Oh, totally. Uh, And I, I use it. I keep it in my car. Too. And just like before I walk in to work or, you know, just need to freshen up. It's a great makeup setting spray, too. Yeah. Um, And you can get it anywhere. You can get it on Amazon. You see it in Anthropology. They have it. I've seen it at CVS. Everywhere. It's it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So I'm really loving that. Yes. I love that stuff. And my second one, which (laughs) this is funny because I do not have a green thumb. Uh huh. I kill everything. (laughs) Our house is only succulents. Yes. But I have been having some like serious envy. For these Instagram girls with their fiddle leaf tree. Yes. So I got one. They are everywhere on Instagram. They're everywhere. And they're so cute. And like, of course, I did, I couldn't just stop there. I had yes. to get like the complete cylindrical white matte pot. Of course. With like the mid-century mm-hmm. um, stand. Yes. Oh, I love those. It's my third tree. Oh, shoot. They're very temperamental. Yeah. The first one I bought from Home Depot mm-hmm. died. The next one I bought from Costco died. Third one I have, which okay. is a less mature tree. Okay. I got from Amazon and she's going strong. Okay. Well, yeah, there, don't you have to like, they can take half sun, but not all day. And I mean, you have to like speak like words of affirmation yes. to it <laughs> and like make sure that it's not, you know, in full sun. It's like, it can be in, I forget the word. It's not all sun. It's um, par- like partial, partial shade. Yeah, yeah. Partial shade most of the day. And, you know, most people's houses, the light changes. Um, yeah. So if you're not there holding oh the hand of your gosh. fiddle leaf. I'm committed, though. Okay. So it's it's small right now. Yeah. But I've had it now for the last, let's say, month. Mm-hmm. And it's alive. Yeah. So that that's a big deal. That that's is a, a big real deal. big deal. Yeah. I don't know how all of these people keep all of these perfect plants in their house. I'm starting to think they're fake. They might be. They must be. Well, you could, you could pull off a fake tree for Instagram. Yeah. I was really trying to, like. No, you're going to do this. Be real. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, between, like, trying to keep myself accountable to personal training and this tree, I mean, I don't know if I can do both. <laughs> That's a, that is a lot. I don't know if I can do both. And but, you have a dog. So, and I have a dog. <laughs> Who loves this tree? Oh. But I don't know what that means yet. No. Like, she's really interested in it. Uh-huh. She's always, like, around it. But it's so cute. It really is so cute. I need to come see this And I'm tree. kind of thinking, like, I might become a plant lady. Maybe you will. I'm pretty, oh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, my first thumbs up, which I have gone um on and on about on my own personal instagram is my air fryer you love this thing i finally bought an air fryer i you know i will say i have a lot of utensils like cooking utensils you know i have the rice cooker and i have the instapot and i have the crock pot and so i was like do i need another 
but I because did. they're big. They are big. Mine so you really is have to decide huge. if it's something that you're going to use a lot. Oh, mine is huge. Um, I love it, and I have used it every day since I bought it. What are you going to do next week oh when you're gosh. away from your air fryer? I don't know. <laughs> I will probably starve. Okay, so the air fryer. What's amazing about it is you can pop like chicken in there for 15 minutes and come back to perfectly cooked chicken. You can pop a turkey burger in there for 15 minutes. Wait, like raw chicken? Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Raw chicken from raw to like perfectly like almost it tastes like grilled chicken because the air is coming at it from all different directions. Like what Kristen doesn't know is I'm going to break into her house next week when she's gone and just like air fry everything. Well, you should. You should <laughs> just take it. Just take it while I'm gone. But you said you did fries in there and that's what oh, I'm freaking out dude, about. French fries are amazing in there. And like there. root vegetables. Yes, I did ro- the root vegetables from Trader Joe's, like the frozen. You can take frozen, like, you know, the frozen French fries you'd get at the grocery store that if you bake yourself come out okay like five of them will be good right they come out perfect to the point where i did these waffle fries from the store and the kids were convinced that i had gone to chick-fil-a <laughs> they were convinced what about like can you do like tater tots oh yeah i'm sure i haven't tried tater tots yet um green beans amazing in there really? asparagus amazing and they're and, like crispy when they come out yes and so what i'll do what's been great for me the reason i'm using it so much is just it's perfect for a single lunch so if I'm here by myself, right. I put a turkey burger in there. I put some green beans in there. I close the lid. I walk away. That's huge. It's huge. Because when you are by yourself during the day and you want to oh, keep cooking, yeah. you don't want to make a big meal in no. the mess. No, exactly. Yeah. I am really in love with this thing. And it's adorable. It's Well, yes. I did buy – I'll link it up in the show notes and on our um, selfie Facebook community. But it's teal blue. And I don't know if anyone's seen your kitchen, but like it – Matches your kitchen perfectly. Well, I have been buying teal blue appliances. Yes, it's working. Because <laughs> now I think of your. I think that's like your theme. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh! So that's one. That's one of my two thumbs up. My other is the art of sport deodorant. So I have been on a natural deodorant journey. I know you have been too. Yes, and I but have. Again, tried- you introduced this to me because you did. I think it was a Facebook Live like I did. two years ago where you yes. just laid it all out. Oh my gosh. You I had all tried the brands. Every one of them. And for me, for my my own personal favorite is the Schmidt's charcoal. But um my boys, I've been trying to get them on the natural deodorant thing, and they're convinced they don't work. <laughs> and then I have my ex convinced they don't work. So he's like, Oh, your mom and the natural deodorant, you guys stink and blah blah blah. And I'm like, Super you know what? <laughs> um the reason you stink is you don't wash or apply the deodorant. Because you actually have to put the deodorant right, on for it on, to work. <laughs> right. So I don't really want to hear about how it doesn't work when it looks like you've never used it. Right. So for Christmas in their stockings, the, the Art of Sport is a natural deodorant with no marketing about it being natural. So it is aluminum-free, which is, you know, the bad ingredient. And the marketing is very sportsy. It's very kind of Axe body spray. It is. So I put it in their stockings, and I didn't say a word about being natural. And they were like, oh, we love this because, I don't know, some sports people that they like are, like, shilling it. Yes. Which, of course, I don't know the name of any sports people, but they're very recognizable The guy people. with the ball. Yeah. That one guy. Mm-hmm. The, that one really famous guy. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't say anything and like a couple months go by and I'm like, well, how are you guys liking that art of sport deodorant? And they're like, it's amazing. We love it. You're and like I'm the like, master at trolling your kids. Totally. And I'm like, guess what? It's natural. We hate it. We hate totally. it now. And they were like, what? So anyway, it is, if you have teen boys or it's great, it's great for adults too. I will say the scents are a bit masculine. I wouldn't wear them myself, but for a hubby, for, um, for boys, art of sport is really a good deodorant. And I looked at it and I, I would have never known that it was natural just based, I mean yeah. you get so used to like you know green packaging totally and it really you would have no idea no 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 idea so when I was a teen learning to shave my legs my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors if you grew up in as a teen in the 90s you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave so With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. 
The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid. So you get a slicky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily. So you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. All right, well, we are going to take a quick break to talk about a sponsor, and then we're going to come back with this fascinating interview um, with Richard Watts about entitlement and kids. Um, He is the author of a book called Entitlemania, and it is very fascinating. We have a great discussion. Um, But first, Buffy. Buffy makes comforters that are better for people and the planet. They use skin-friendly eucalyptus fabric, which is so soft, and it's naturally soothing for the skin. But get this, the fill is made from 100% recycled water bottles, BPA-free water bottles. They're transformed and given a second life as this soft, fluffy fiber. It's crazy soft, but at the same time, it's keeping about 50 bottles out of landfills and oceans for each comforter. So their thoughtful materials and construction shut out dust, mold, and mites. They prevent nighttime breathing of harmful allergens And it is truly the softest and fluffiest comforter I've ever tried. Also cool about this company, they absolutely believe that bedding is personal. And so they offer the opportunity for every new customer to try a comforter out with no strings attached. You can try it for 30 days. And if you don't like it, you can send it back. So to get $20 off your first Buffy comforter, you can visit Buffy.co and enter the code SELFIE. Once again, that's B-U-F-F-Y dot C-O and enter Selfie to get $20 off your first Buffy comforter. Okay, well, I am here with Richard Watts. Really stoked to have him chatting with us about this concept of drone parenting, entitlement with our kids. 
Um, and we're going to actually probably talk a little bit about money and wealth and how that affects both our kids and our own um, sanity and self-care. Um, Richard, I know that this is a bit of a passion project for you. How did you fall <laughs> into talking about this kind of entitlement generation thing? Um, you know, I, my, my day job is, is as a lawyer. Okay. I, I've been practicing for 37 years. And part of what I do is I manage uh, the super wealthy mm-hmm. in, in the world, the, their families that, that have so many things going on, some of them second, third, and fourth generation wealth. And I'm talking very extreme wealth. And I've been that guy that's had to try to make them rational right, and keep them from floating off into space. And right. when they decide to dump $50 million on their kids, mm-hmm. understanding, helping them understand how perilous that can be. Right. And some listen and some don't. Yeah. And so over a period of all of these years, I've had this ongoing everyday laboratory going. Right. And not as a psychologist, but probably more hands-on because uh-huh. I've been recording and seeing what's happened until you really begin to understand the perils, the real, real perils of wealth, not just something that you'd say that sounds cliche, right. but something that you really begin to understand the mental change in people when they win the lotto. I know yeah. that. I know that. Yeah. I know what that looks like. Yeah. And, uh, and so that affects children. And the yeah. children is the next step. And so part of the first book, Fables of Fortune, was this idea of children of entitlement. That's another mm-hmm. negative of wealth is mm-hmm. the children of entitlement. And as I began to look into that and start to write about that, which then culminated in the writing of Entitlemania, um, it was evident to me that this was not a problem for the wealthy. No, This is not. a problem for all of us. It is. It really is. It's interesting. I'm fascinated with um, your experiences working with the very wealthy because I did a stint. I My background is as a therapist. And I worked for a bit in a very high-end rehab treatment center. And what one thing I noticed without fail is the, the kids who struggled the most with addiction and with... Um, you know, really dove deep um, into, you know, heroin use and and not functioning at all were the kids who had been given so much money that they didn't have to work and then they didn't have any purpose in life. Yes. And that was something we saw over and over. And if they left the rehab and they still had, you know, a huge expendable income and they didn't have to go and get a job and figure out how to be industrious and find that purpose in their life and they could just go back home and still sit around and live off of that money, um, the recidivism rates for those kids were so much higher than the kids who left and had to go figure out life. Mm-hmm. You know, there is something too. There, there's, I think, a real existen- existential stress to having too much money at mm-hmm. a young age. There's no question. Yeah. But but here's the thing that that has to be really made clear is that, you know, the parents want to put a lot of blame on kids for getting drugged out, kids for being lost, kids for not being able to find their way. Mm -hmm. And and kids don't become entitled on their own. Right. It's a process of parents Mm -hmm. that are trying to remove the struggle from their kids and to make their pathway easy. And that's where the word drone parenting. Yeah, talk to me about drone parenting. What is drone parenting? Yeah, so, so I've grown up in a world of what we called helicopter parenting. Yeah. And helicopter parenting was this loud... Uh bunch of parents that just decided they wanted to be buddies Mm -hmm. with their kids. And Mm -hmm. so they hovered around all the time. They wanted to be, they were kind of innocuous, Uh but they wanted to be at the dances. They wanted to be in the booster club and they wanted to be on the sidelines selling donuts. And everything they could be involved in, they wanted to be around their kids. Mm -hmm. But they really weren't manipulating their kids. Mm -hmm. They weren't doing anything strategic. Mm -hmm. They just were hanging out. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. Helicopter parents were annoying. They were annoying, but I don't think that, you know, it sent a bunch of kids into therapy. (laughs) That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. And and so now uh, it just came to me a number of years ago that Mm -hmm. the parents now I've had as I've I've lectured around the country and whatnot, I've had parents come and say, well, what's wrong with the fact that we have our child at three years old beginning to learn lacrosse because we know it's a good feeder to the Ivy League schools when they go to school in (laughs) 15 years. Don't we, isn't it a good thing that we're helping our child get ahead? And I said, who decided your child liked lacrosse? Right. Who made that decision? Uh And they go, oh, well, it's just a good all around sport. What harm can come from it? 
And so the drone parenting came from the concept. For me, it was really military drone. It was Mm -hmm. the idea that we send drones ahead Mm -hmm. and drones can fly stealth. Drones are always on a mission. Mm -hmm. Drones are looking with a purpose to clear the pathway for Mm -hmm. what's to come. Got it. And so here's mama and daddy drone. Right. And they're basically saying, okay, look at my child can't see 15 years into the future. So I know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to begin to manipulate right. the pathway. Right. And I'm going to be strategic about it. I'm right. going to be stealth about it. And in fact, I might not even tell him or her right. that I'm doing it because kids kind of don't know what's happening to them. They're kind of looking for mom and dad mm-hmm. to be the ones that help initiate both you know, difficulties, uh, initiate solutions mm-hmm. out of difficulties. Mm-hmm. But they they will allow you to... Um, to help them and assist them, or they'll allow you to fix it. Right. And what parents began to become obsessed with, and Uh I believe it was a hijacking that's occurred with parents Mm -hmm. of their kids' careers, of their kids' futures, is they just decided with the best of intentions. That's the hard part. Sure. It's the best of intentions, is they decided that it would really be a better thing to clear the path of all struggle. Right. Give them participation trophies so they never feel they lost. Mm -hmm. Let them never feel loss. Right. Never let them feel failure. Yeah. Let's just, because if we can just somehow focus on success, they will get there faster. Right. And what the parents are forgetting that is in giving the kids everything they didn't have, they're forgetting to give the kids the things they did have. Yeah. And the things that the parents did have, mm-hmm. they had failures, they totally. had heartbreaks, yeah. they had Struggle. setbacks, yeah. they had all of these things. And the drone parenting syndrome yes. to me is about, I hear that just last week I heard them called snowplow parents for the first time. Oh, funny. I like drones better because I think they can fly a lot faster. Yeah. Snowplow parents are just big and cumbersome. But yeah. today's parents, it evidenced by this academic scandal that's gone on, is that I they know, will go- I know, what a go- timely example. Yeah, they will go to- such lengths and they right. become they they the parents become so lost right. in their mission yeah to heal and to to help their their children succeed well and it seems like in many of these cases well first of all in you know in the academic scandal for example like it seems like Lori Laughlin's children didn't even know she did it on their behalf you know so to your point they're stealth right yeah, you and know? and I don't know that Lori would have wanted them to know, right? Because then they become a possible snitch, yeah, accidental talker about what happened. And if you're going to do something that's crossing the line, yeah, the fewer people, including the victim, right, the child, the better. Well, I think I think that, but I think also to your point about letting letting like kind of preserving kids from struggle. I don't think she wanted her daughters to know they couldn't get in on her, their own merit. Of course. You know, I think she didn't even want them to have that little struggle. Of, right. Of accepting the fact that maybe your, you know, your academic record did not entitle you to getting into the school. Well, and if you think, too, that that on a real macro scale here, I just I, I just ache, to be honest with you, for that whole situation, because I know that that daughter who is kind of an airhead anyway Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know she gets up and says i don't really want to be here i just like the partying and i like this stuff and i'm a blogger and and now i'm going to sue my mom because she's destroyed my blogging career and all that kind of stuff you know i really do believe that that she's going to realize what it is to live with shame yeah not just for herself but for her mom it's people are not going to let her forget that for a long time but here's the strange part if she doesn't become you know, mentally upset as a result of this, the daughter, Mm -hmm. this may actually be the beginning of her own maturity. Yeah. This crash, this struggle, this horrible, you know, thing that faces her, this mountain. Yeah. Maybe 10 or 15 years from now will make her wake up and say, wow, now I understand mom did this out of love. Mm-hmm. But she really screwed me. Right. And I've rebounded now and it took me years and I still have got this shame following me around. Mm-hmm. But I'm a different person. And when I look back at who I was when I went into college and how mom kept me from being who I should be if I got if I really got hammered a few times in terms of guilt and failure and things yeah. and stuff, I would have been a different person quicker. Yeah. 
but here I am now right. at 45 right. or 50 years right. old. And I think that, you know, it may be the beginning of her maturity as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when we rob our, our kids of struggle and failure and defeat, you know, then they walk into adulthood ill-equipped and life is full of failure and defeat right. and, and hardships. It really is, you know. And I think if, if we don't learn to deal with those hardships and disappointments in our teen and young adult years, you know, then we walk into adulthood sort of feeling victim to the world right. because we we don't understand that well, the world is full. And of you can understand where the suicide rates up the yeah. way they are and the drug use yes. up the way it is. It sure is. You know, when 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 you see a child that turns into a young adult and they have had the they've had the various different kinds of facets carved into their system like a statue, you know, where they've yeah. been defined mm -hmm. and they've been defined by all these things. And they kind of, they go one way and they say, that was horrible, mm -hmm. but I'll never do that again. Well, there's something very reassuring to your own personality when you know yeah. that you will never eat broccoli again. Uh -huh. And I'm being facetious, but right. you know, I'll never ever eat broccoli. That defines me. Right. And when I tell you that I absolutely have a complete love for cappuccinos, mm -hmm. you know, that also is something that defines me. So, right. you know, maybe my world is sitting in a little piazza in Italy and having some little $3 thing of cappuccino, but that's something I know that I love. And all of mm -hmm. those things came from having to test myself yeah. and to create self-value for me absolutely, by facing struggles that, that define for me who I really was. And a lot yeah. of these kids, I think, that get to be 18, 20, 22, mom and dad have been telling them, they've been giving them the Kool-Aid for yeah. so long yeah. that they just go, well, okay, you know, I've never really felt bad, but I'm not getting the job I wanted. And my gosh, this job doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And raising kids doesn't feel good. And nice. I thought this was all supposed to feel good. And yet by the time you're 25... You need to have realized through the th struggles in your life that much of life doesn't feel good. Yeah. And it's not every day you get to feel good. Right. It's once in a while you get to feel good, but it's yeah. really worth it yeah. if once a week in an hour you get to sit back and you get tears in your eyes because you realize this is really pretty special. Yeah. What I've got, I may not have everything, yeah. but what I've got is special. You can't get that by be, being given everything. Isn't it ironic though, and it's so true, that you really, you don't have a sense of gratitude when you've got everything. Right. You know, I think that a lot of my gratitude in life has come from loss. Yes. And then recognizing what I have to be grateful for. I mean, some of the most ungrateful students I've ever worked with were the kids who had everything. Right. Right. You know? and, but it's kind of really, a lot of people want to press on them. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that there's a sadness to me mm -hmm. to that because mm -hmm. here's this beautiful child right. that haven't been given the right to play tennis instead of lacrosse. Right. No agency. Yeah. Yeah. I think they would have been agents of their own uplift yep. and they would have wound up being people that you'd look at and go, wow, how did they get there? Yeah. You know, that's really remarkable. Right. How did they find out, and I'm being facetious, that they love collecting butterflies from all mm -hmm. over the world. I think who in their right mind would do that? But you know, there's conventions of yeah. people that are into butterflies. There's yeah. conventions that are people that collect salt shakers right. and pepper shakers. Yeah. And I don't care what their passion is. Right. It's like, what? why not let them find that? Here's a really great story of a, of a client of mine that was so ashamed of their daughter mm -hmm. and she couldn't do well in high school. And they kept pressing her to college. We're going to get you to go no matter what, no matter what. She said, I like doing hair. Mm -hmm. And they said, that's a disgusting thing. That's nothing. That's low, low budget oh, stuff. No. You shouldn't be doing that. She says, but I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, they said, you're not going to do that. So she rebelled. Yeah. And through her 15, 16, 17 year old years, she was persona non grata in the family. Wow. Then she came home with a couple of tattoos, which was the end. <laughs> so at 18, mom and dad dumped her in a college and said, you get one year. Uh -huh. If you don't make it, then you're out. We're not supporting you. You're done. Well, yeah. after six months, she dropped out. And she left for Beverly Hills and she literally said, mom and dad who are rich, mm -hmm. will you pay for my cosmetology school? They said, no, wow. that's not what we want you to do. Wow. And she did on her own. Mm -hmm. And she came home and started coming home with her hair purple and yellow and pink yeah. and all this stuff. And this is only like six years ago. 
And then all of a sudden, she got discovered by a few movie stars, mm. and they realized how much talent she had. So now she's going over and hanging out with these famous people that want them her to do her hair mm. just right. Right. And then she started bringing them home to barbecues on <laughs> down in Laguna, down on the weekends. And in walks this daughter, now 24 years old, mm -hmm. with her hair in 15. She's got piercings everywhere. Yeah. And mom and dad see her walk in with two of the most famous movie stars you'd ever want to speak of. Right. And they kind of look at all her friends and go, that's my daughter right there. Oh, that's my, my daughter. daughter. Look at that. And and we look at, look how proud we are. And I think to myself, why not start with that? I know. Why not be proud when she chooses to go into something that she feels passionate about? Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's, that is a really sad story. Yeah. But a wonderful story. Yeah. Because I mean, ultimately she, now she pulled it she's off. kind of shown mom and dad yeah. that your way was not my way. Right. And I think that that may be, that's something that I'm beginning to realize even in the last couple of weeks is that there's no counterculture in this generation. Mm -hmm. My generation had mm -hmm. a counterculture that said, mom and dad, screw you. Right. We're out of here. Yeah. This is, uh, we're hippies. We're leaving. We're right. burning barefoot. We're having free this and free right. that. We're not, we're dropping out of everything. Mm -hmm. And through that process, we learned the depths, like, an, like an, an addict, you learn the depths of who you are. Right. And after a while, you go, you know what? Doing drugs all day long, it really doesn't work. Yeah. You know, having no job and not eating right. really doesn't not work. Not sustainable. Yeah. Doesn't, not a yeah. great model. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you saw the hippies turn into yuppies. Yeah. Young urban professional right. back into suits and ties. Right. And the moms and dads are going, shame on you for being back here after. Well, we found out it didn't work. Sure. But we needed to object we needed mm -hmm. to move away from yeah and yet i think in right now in this world that my generation and i apologize for this my generation has usurped and hijacked the control over personalities at such a young age yeah that we're not really giving them the chance to object they kind of yeah. don't they think objection is failure yeah if i drop out then i'm failing yeah and and in my world dropping out was a sign of like macho. It's like right. a sign of, you know what? Yeah. I'm standing on my own principles yeah. here. We're going to go burn a couple of flags too, which was horrible. I would really be angry now to see someone <laughs> do that. I really object to, I yeah. never did that, but I mean, my yeah. generation did it. Yeah. So that's all the discovery process that we yeah. look for that strengthens people. And, and parents today need to recognize that, that, uh, that all of these struggles, getting second place, getting a C on an mm -hmm. exam, being bullied a little bit here yeah. and there. All of these things are, are really opportunities to begin to utilize those as iron sharpening iron, where right. you can literally use those as a tool and say, look, it, yeah. I remember my dad saying this all the time, Richard, figure it out. Yeah. Wait a minute. He punched me in the face. I need a lawsuit against the principal and everybody. <laughs> no, just go figure it out. Yeah. And eventually I realized that going up to a guy bigger than me and calling him some bad name was probably not a good way to avoid getting my face punched. <laughs> and so you learn yeah. from stuff and you learn yeah. to be respectful from stuff like that. But I really respect the fact that some parents are willing, it's very tough, mm -hmm. to allow that struggle to come into their yeah. lives and just be affirming. Yeah. I remember my dad's number one thing he said to me, and he's been gone 25 years, and I hear him always saying, the cream always rises to the top. So as long as you know who you are and you're the cream, you may feel like you failed here. Mm -hmm. But eventually, right. you'll continue you're to rise. Fine. And that was a yeah. very affirming thing yeah. that stayed with me for a long, long time. And so in the depths of my failures, mm -hmm. I always know that there's a place to go to rebound. That's good. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, something else that comes to mind in this whole thing is I, I feel like my generation of parents has this emphasis on college, which is well meant, you know, and I mean, sure, we all want to see more kids go to college. Um, but I think it sets up the standard that college is really the only way that you can succeed mm -hmm. when, you know, there's so many great trade schools. I mean, the cosmetology is a great example. Um, you know, and I do think that some students will find that they're not interested in college, um, or, you know, the aptitude isn't there. And I think it's important for us to also encourage alternative paths, mm -hmm. you know, that not every kid is going to play lacrosse and go to USC. Right. 
Right. Because they don't want to or because they don't have the aptitude or because the passion isn't there. And it's like, I think parents get really fixed on this is the one path to right. success. Right. I agree. This is the only way. And the metaphor that I use for that, and it's, it's apropos on the West Coast, is a riptide. Yeah. We have on the coast a thing called a riptide. And a lot of people in the East don't know about that. But a riptide is something mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's an anomaly where the, the water is pulling you away from the beach. Yeah. And the one thing they tell you to do is in a riptide, don't swim directly to the beach because mm-hmm. you'll exhaust yourself. Right. Well, in your comment that you just made, parents have kind of taken, become members of this academic cult yeah. where they're telling their kids the only way to the beach yeah. is through that riptide. And right. I know many of you are not going to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to get into Yale. There's only 4% acceptance of qualified applications. You're probably maybe, maybe not going to make it, but by God, if you mm-hmm. don't, you're not going to you're not going to reach the beach. Yeah. And what anybody knows about a riptide and what kids you watch them beating each other up trying to get through this tide like I got to win, I got to win mm-hmm. and one by one they're dropping off mm-hmm. because they can't sustain it. Kids are hurting themselves. Yeah. because they can't sustain it. And and everyone knows that in a riptide what they counsel you to do is stop swimming. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to drift away from this ridiculous current mm-hmm. down the beach a hundred yards, yeah. and then find that there's yeah. a lot of different ways to access the beach right. than through riptide. So Absolutely. here we are with, as you said, parents directing our kids that this is the way, mm-hmm. and with the best of intention. Yeah, they really truly are doing it. Mm-hmm. But what I don't think they're realizing is that our mission as a parent is to be a parent. Not to gain something for ourselves, not to gain recognition for ourselves, yes. but to help them realize the tough lessons of life. Yeah. And yeah. what I've said to my kids since they're about 18 years old is I've, and they hate me saying this, is I always say, you know, your dad's not always going to be here. Mm-hmm. They go, dad, just shut up. <laughs> you know, don't, you're, you're young and this is then, you know, a yeah. long time ago. This is 15 years ago. And, uh, and I said, no, I'm, I'm not always going to be here and I need to equip you. Totally. As best I can, because the thing that will make me the happiest is that when I'm gone, Mm -hmm. that you have this tool bag around your waist of life skills and that you can pull one of those out because you've encountered it before. Mm -hmm. And the greatest disservice I could do for you is if I didn't prepare you Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you got to be without dad and you have something horrific happen in your life and I don't know how you'd, how you get through it. And I don't want to be responsible for that. And I don't think parents are thinking like that right now. No, I don't think they are. I think they're, you know, I think, I think parents want their kids to do well, but I think they have maybe a narrow view of what doing well looks like. And it may not always be with the child in mind, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I feel like if you already have a plan for what you think your child will do for a living when they're under 14 or 15, yes. <laughs> it's probably misguided. Well, and, I, and I'll and i say something else, too, that I get a little little pushback on, but I truly believe it. You know, one of the symptoms, I think, of, of entitled mania mm-hmm. is when parents utilize this concept of my child's my best friend. Oh, yeah. I think it's really dangerous ground. Yeah. You know, it's 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 unfair because you have superior knowledge yeah. over your child and they should go find best friends that are their peers. Totally. Because they can relate to each other and they don't give each other the answers. Yeah. They struggle through the mm-hmm. questions and they come up with an answer. That's right. As your quote unquote best friend where you want to just all be together all yeah. the time, you're kind of robbing your child yeah. of that search. Yeah. I think, you know, that and then what I also see, I mean, this was evidenced in, you know, there was a scandal here in our own school system of, you know, a group of kids having a big party, beer pong, swastika, you know, in the shape of a swastika, not made the national news, but, you know, the, the kind of racist imagery aside, the reality is a group of parents threw a drinking party for their, for their young kids, for their 15, 16 year old kids, they threw a drinking party. And I think this is another example of parents entitling their kids of just like, I won't, I won't let you struggle, but at the same time, I'll, I'll provide you. I, it's so important to me that you're popular and cool right? that I'll break the law. I'll, you know, go against conventional wisdom just to make sure that you're partying and cool and, you know, they're in the mix with everyone else. Yes. The codependency oh gosh, yeah. and the enabling of the yep. parents. How to not be codependent yeah. and how to let their child alone. Yes. And let them yeah. find the bottom on yeah. their own instead of always rescuing them right. before they reach bottom. 
if you start rescuing your children Mm -hmm. from things that they would learn, hey, that doesn't feel good. That's not a good thing. This is not a good, that's not a good. You begin to say, okay, to my peer, you're going to go do, you're going to drink a whole bunch of alcohol. I'm not going to do that. And the reason I am is because one time I did it, my parents, and I vomited my guts out Mm -hmm. and my parents didn't throw me into rehab. They sat with me and affirmed me and and told me, this is the consequence of what happens when you do this. And so you begin to take ownership a little more of your life. Yeah. And and I think that that as parents we start very very early with problems that to the right child becomes an addiction. Right. And to the right child meaning in a wrong way but the, mm-hmm. but the 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 type of child that qualifies or that doesn't have the self-esteem uh you know they get into all kinds of drug use. Well yeah, because I mean people you know, the people that are most susceptible to drug use, obviously there's a biological component or yes. predisposition. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, drug use is about avoidance of pain and an inability to walk through life's pain. Right. And so when we don't prepare our kids to know how to walk through pain and right. walk through struggle, then they are going to walk into adulthood having no tools in their toolbox and, okay, well, drinking looks like a good tool. Mm-hmm. Or and everybody else yeah. is doing it. Yeah. And no yeah. one's saying it's a bad thing. Right. And it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. And so. Then, and then you find, you know, that that becomes the kid with that predisposition who, who can't drink like their college peers, who right. can't leave it to just the weekends or just the parties. Right. And then they're waking up to drink because right. they're in pain and they don't know how to deal with that pain. Well, and you might have one child that is really academically challenged. Yes. Who starts drinking versus a kid that's a straight A student that starts drinking and he continues to get accolades and he continues to play football and doing whatever he does. And the other kid that doesn't have the tools continues to feel failure. And now he's got a crutch. Now he's got something to take him out of any future effort where that guy with the C's Mm -hmm. might've been the best mechanic, might've owned a a machine shop. And you know, some of my favorite people in my life growing up, seriously, were people that were technically oriented people and weren't so doggone academic because academics sometimes kind of follow the trend of everybody else's thinking. Yeah. It's funny. I was having a conversation with a friend just last night about um, the fact that he and two of his close friends dropped out of college Hmm. And they're all three very successful as adults. Yes. You know, they found a different path. Yeah. And and had conviction about the path because yeah. they made the move to drop out. Yeah. Sometimes when you say, I'm going to quit yeah. and I'm going to go do this. Yeah. There's a conviction about succeeding at what you now want to do. Yeah. If you tell me to go do it, I don't have any conviction. <laughs> right. You know, so I don't true. have any conviction it's at so all. True. But, you know, you have to kind of keep the possibilities in mind mm-hmm. to give you the incentive to duct tape your mouth and your body to a chair and let your kids just feel their life once in a while. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do think that every parent has to be very aware of suicidality because the rates are high right now. Every parent has to be very aware of drug addiction because the rates are very high right now. And really, that's where we need to be doing our research, not on how to get our kid into the best school or exactly. how to get them a sports scholarship, I think. And all that is fine if you if you have the time and your child has a passion. But I think we really need to be educating ourselves on the psychological components of codependency mm-hmm. and how to equip our kids to be strong, you know, emotionally strong human beings. Right. That's that's our number one goal. And right. then trying to get them to go to our college of choice can be, you know. Yes. A, that can be a bonus. Right. I have one last question for you, which is a, Good. a bit of a doozy. But um because <laughs> I'm sure you could spend an hour on this, but what are some of the boundaries that you think that parents should put in place to avoid this entitlement thing? Okay, so so I don't know if boundaries, if, if there, if the answer to that is a boundary, then it would be a boundary that the parent is imposing on themselves, mm. not a boundary on the children. Um, I really do believe within, within reason, your kids are capable of doing what they need to do and they're, they're going to react to the natural consequences of what happens. Um, I've actually had both of my sons who are both got postgraduate degrees have been in jail at one point or another Mm -hmm. uh, where they got arrested for drinking or got arrested for doing something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I let them sit like overnight. 
Yeah. And, you know, now you get a parenting issue, right? Because mom yes. and dad say, oh, go get them out. I mean, they're right. really good kids. And I go, nah, they need to remember what this looks I like, right? I have told my kids the same thing. Yeah. So if it's you are ever arrested, you will sit there. Yeah, it's good for the night. <laughs> and whatever happens, happens. But I think probably the two th- causes of entitlement are giving too much and taking away the struggle. Yeah. Those are the two things. Those are the big ones. And so the boundaries have to be related to those. Got it. And the boundary with regard to giving too much is really about practicing not having. Hmm. A parent needs to model what it is they're trying to teach. So part of my world for my kids has been always rejecting some of the things I could have. And I do it verbally where I go, you know, dad really could get a new car right now. But, you know, it's just not good to always have the newest of the newest of the new. So I'm not going to do that. And I verbalize that. And I've done that my whole life. And you know, we could go out and get more furniture because we can afford it now, or we could put it on credit or all these mm-hmm. things that people do. Right. Um, we're not going to do that because we really think that it's not a necessary. Mm-hmm. We're going to show the maturity and the teaching moment that not having yeah. is a good thing. Some of the richest guys in history have been really good at that. The You know, the Sam Waltons of the world driving the, the right. 20-year-old Nissan right. Datsun truck and all that kind of stuff. So I think on the, on the giving too much, it's really about modeling the proper behavior. That's good. That's a boundary. That yeah. says do yeah. not always give in to everything that you want. Right. Um, and the second thing, which is the struggle, the boundary really there is to begin to recognize that these opportunities that are coming to your kids in the way of failure are are opportunities and and, and places where they can grow. And you need to stand back as hard as it is. And you need to not engage your process, which means I'm going to go to the teacher and complain. You know, maybe you go to the teacher. I I really do believe you should go to the teachers nowadays and say, look at, you know, I'm not sure I'm doing everything right as a parent. Mm -hmm. You're the teacher. What is it I could do better? Yeah. My sister was a teacher for 30 years, and when a, when a parent finally asked her that in year 30, she cried so hard in front of the parent that she wow. couldn't answer. Wow. She said, everyone's telling me that I'm not doing this, and I'm not. My kids have bad manners. That's your fault, mm-hmm. the teacher. My kids aren't learning. That's your fault. Mm-hmm. And it was really about behavior and about the parents and the parents' expectations. Yeah. And, you know, that, that in this taking away the struggle— we need to realize that teachers aren't at fault for all of the stuff they have. It's not always someone else's fault yeah. that your kid's not doing as well as you think they ought to do. So the second part of taking away the struggle really would be more about just allowing those effects to occur to mm-hmm. your kids and realizing that it's a you're putting it away for a future that's going to make your child stronger. Yeah. And in that process, and this is another dynamic for taking away the struggle, is Share your fears and share your failures with your kids. So good. Tell them, you know what? Mommy didn't do really well on this deal. You know, I remember when I was doing this thing, I really Mm -hmm. did lousy. Mm -hmm. I hope you do better at math than I did because Mm -hmm. because parents are going, oh, no, 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 no. I'll lie about that because I want my kid to think math is an absolute got to do. But I think it's comforting once in a while when my dad would say to me, you know, Rich, you do this better than I do. Mm -hmm. I never did this too well. It's like, wow, that made me proud. Yeah. And that's really what I'm trying to instill in my kids is Mm -hmm. just self-sufficiency, self-value and self-pride. And they need to earn that on their own. They do. So good. Well, Richard, where can people find Entitlemania? Entitlemania is everywhere. So, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And and if you, Entitlemania.com is one of my websites and that has, you can buy it there through Amazon. But it's got a lot of the articles that I write. And I think there's a lot more information there. There's like 100 or so articles I've written for periodicals and magazines and things. And I just think you can kind of leaf through there and get some information. And and I'm always happy to connect if somebody's interested in a question or something. Great. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good to have you on. Good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at SelfiePodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care. Take care.